Hey everybody, welcome to Young Ambiguous, episode four, season two. I'm here with a former student, Rebecca Atian. Uh, we used to have all kinds of conversations about different topics and we, I like to play devil's advocate with her and get her um, to really explain things in detail and that's where I would start to learn a lot of things from her. And uh, she's just a really smart young lady so I figured highlighting her on the pod would be great. Um, she is a writer and a songwriter, so she writes, you know, both types of words that sound good and teach you things and express ideas, and um, she's just a wonderful person that I wanted to have on the pod, and so if you guys would welcome her, and you can say what you want to the people. Well, I'm Becca, and like Gerald said, I was a former student, and we used to um, have some pretty interesting debates about, like benign stuff like harry potter on the way up to like in-depth talks about like feminism and healthcare. so we've covered a lot of ideas a range of topics for sure very broad range um and as a homeschooler i thought it was funny to pick on her about harry potter because she has the opposite of the typical homeschooler ideas about that yeah i actually feel very passionately about like how homeschoolers in, in general, the Christian community needs to just like get over itself about Harry Potter. And I actually, when I was like in eighth grade, I, that was the thesis for one of my papers was that Harry Potter isn't anything unbiblical. And I kid you not, if you think she only learned thesis in high school, she used the word thesis in junior high school. So take that. She's a smart young lady and uh, she's got some really cool ideas. So I figured exchanging them here would be great. I'm very excited. Yeah. So we we would discuss Harry Potter, and that led into, I think, a very fiery debate in on one of our mission trips, none, nonetheless, where we were talking about feminism. And uh, just, it was, a, it was an interesting conversation because at first you were anti. It's, my stance on feminism is so complicated because I think there's such a need for it, but a very different brand of feminism than like, what we're seeing today and you know people divide feminism into waves you've got like first wave second wave and Mm -hmm. this is like i think pretty much we're still in third wave and somewhere in between the first and second is where they lost me because a lot of like second wave feminism was about like was making divorce a thing and like i don't really have a problem with that because it's definitely an issue with um without divorce yeah and all that but um they got very into like the Margaret Sanger brand of feminism and not to be like the classic Christian who's just like on about abortion all the time, but definitely you lost me there. Mm. And then I think it's hard because a lot of the issues I'm seeing feminists address now are so meaningless compared to some very serious issues. Like I think the joke is that like a lot of white feminism is about like firemen, but don't we need fire women when there's like actual real world problems going on? Mm. Like a lot of the Me Too movement I think was very helpful. Yeah. And that's like the stuff I'm on board with, but you lose me when you've got like, you know, a bunch of the joke is like the pink haired feminist and the pink hats and whatever. Mm. And that loses me. Yeah. And I think you're, you're not alone in that. And a lot of people get annoyed and roll their eyes at feminism but i feel like it's such a strong thing and my wife taught me and i was against it for a long time because i was like ah yeah, roll. i rolled my eyes at her for probably a year or two while she was studying it in school and her eyes were like she was learning all of this stuff and how the changes that were made and the progress that was made for women um with those movements and 
I would consider myself a feminist as well. But I think like anything, when you consider yourself and label yourself something, you don't necessarily ascribe to everything. Yeah, that and very much fall to the traditional that, definition you know? of feminism, which you know, there's like denotation and connotation and there's like a lot of what people assume when you say yeah. you're a feminist and then there's like the actual meaning of the word which just means like equality between men and women which is something everybody should be for so yeah and it's like one of those things where people group into their stuff the way they group things up really bad so like if i said i like mexican food most people think oh he likes tacos quesadillas different things like that but it's like I like chalupas. I like, um, what is the word now? I can't <laughs> I like sopas, the little flat ones. I, I like all kinds of Mexican food. But yeah. when you say, like, oh, you like Mexican food, you have a picture. Every individual has a picture of what Mexican food is to them. Yeah. And, you know, in our country, probably a lot of people picture Taco Bell's menu, you know? So it's like, even though Mexican food is huge. You know, they have street corn. They have all these different types of foods. Even, you know, we've gone to Mexico before. They have all kinds of food there. It's not just tacos all day. So I think, like, a good way to break down, like, where feminism in its modern sense loses me is I think they've been very good at, like, pointing out where men have gone wrong. But they seem to be saying that, like, women should get to do that, too, because men have got to do it for so long. And I'm like, no, you were definitely right that it's a problem men are doing it. But I don't mm-hmm. think the fix is for women to start doing it. Yeah. And that's the that's the big thing for me is not being not using the words equity and equality interchangeably, because just so, just because men did it doesn't mean women need to do it if it's a wrong behavior. And just because, you know men have been doing it forever doesn't mean women need to start doing it there needs to be like an equity in between and like everybody needs to be brought to that like level playing field where it's not you know one gender is or you know a gender is put at the top and everybody else is underneath it so i think that's a a huge thing um and and part of that discussion really triggered me because i was like I can either never bring up like feminism or politics or these types of conversations and just keep it surface and just joke about Harry Potter, or I could press in and try to understand where you're coming from and think about it and learn from your opinion because I have my opinion, you have your opinion, and like we can learn from each other. And so I think that is something that you taught me in that moment in the the Lord really kind of shaped me and, and led me to is to continue to engage. And that's kind of what I even wanted you on the podcast for is because we still disagree on a lot of things. It's not like I won you over and now you like believe everything I believe. It's still, there's still a good matter of disagreement between us on maybe how to do some things, but there's common ground, right? Yeah. A lot of common ground. And so I think if, if I could say anything to the, political discourse which is the craziest roller coaster ever of ups and downs and all arounds and on every single angle and it's just crazy almost every day something crazy is happening um but i think the biggest thing that we're starting to lose is the ability to discuss because people just pick their side and they don't even necessarily have an idea of what that side thinks of a topic they're just with their side and a lot of it is people have decided that, like, they'd rather win a conversation than get something out of it. Exactly. Like, 
because people think everything political is a, ba- a debate now, but it could just be a conversation where you mm-hmm. could understand the other side, but everybody's trying to come out of it as like whoever won that debate instead of just trying to learn something or teach somebody something. Yeah, and that's that's a huge problem. You know, I think it's kind of embedded in the American culture to always be winning everything. We want to win, win, win. Um, but winning isn't always the goal, especially with a conversation. Like, it's not an arm wrestling match. It's not a like a, a sports competition or like a World Series. It's literally like an engagement of ideas. We're talking and discussing, even on a smaller level. And so I think it's it's crazy where our country's heading with all these the polarization of everything and you kind of just I'm with my tribe on this and they're like then when they huddle up like what do what do we think about this topic well, I know I'm with my tribe but I just don't know what we like where's our what's our stance you know yeah I think a lot of people got really interested in politics after 2016 but what what happened in in 2016 that would make people wasn't really newsworthy it was just like a small small Small, thing that happened small thing i think we like transitioned you know the executive branch of power something like that yeah just yeah trump showed up and like everybody's like holy smokes you know republicans and democrats alike were like what's going on and i feel like the outliers were the same way (laughs) (laughs) So everybody just got interested in it, but I feel like nobody got interested enough to get educated about it. So now everybody's got an opinion and nobody's got facts to back it up. And it just makes everything really toxic when you've got two people with like completely inaccurate facts, just not even arguing, just like debating to win. And neither Mm -hmm. of them really deserves to win that particular conversation. Yeah, at that point, if you're only going in to, to win, then you don't deserve it. And I think that's, you know, I'd say like the Green Party and independents were like, I'm a registered independent. So if you think I'm a Democrat or Republican, you were wrong. Um, I think I'm supposed to be a registered independent. But you know, there's an independent party and then there's an actual stance where you can be registered as an independent. Excuse me. Yes, I have no party affiliation. Yeah, I think I'm supposed to have no affiliation, but the DMV workers seem very confused by what I was trying to explain to him. Uh-oh. So I might actually be a member of the independent party. <laughs> you should fix that. But um, for sure, when I registered the vote, in my mind, I was, how old was I? I think it was at 19 and I was signing out signing out the form and I said as a Christian my allegiance is to Christ and to Jesus and living the way he wants me to live and I don't think Democrats or Republicans do that and I don't want to lump myself in with either party and I would consider myself progressive in the fact that I think we need to take care of the environment because it's literally the only place we can live right now Elon Musk, hurry up. Um, I think that everybody should be treated equal, which is crazy because I think that should be like a, a human stance, not necessarily a political stance, but it, le- you know, and when I say those things, people start imagining which tribe I'm a part of, but I'm really not a part of any tribe. I just think God made this planet and we should take care of it. And God made people and we're supposed to love them the way he loves them. So like, those things I are rooted in the Bible and the way I want to live my life, not in a political party. And so I think having the ideas is good because you might not line up with a party anymore. And so what where you're trying to be no party 
party affiliated, but you lean. When I was when I was getting my license and like he asked me which party I wanted to be a part of, I was like, I can't actually say any party right now and not be embarrassed to have said it. Like I could not stand up in a room full of people and say I'm a Republican, give no further context and not be embarrassed about what they must mm. be thinking about me. And the same thing about calling myself a Democrat because I have so many issues with both sides. Yeah. And then the Libertarian Party has just been like a joke as long as it's existed. Well, don't forget the Green Party. <laughs> Ralph Nader was out there. And I actually, I have mad respect for Ralph Nader because he was the reason, I know you might not respect him for this, but like seatbelts in cars was like because of him and some other people when he was in Congress. I don't know which, I don't know if he was a senator or a a member of the House, but he was the big proponent and pusher of that and like diminished the amount of like deaths on the road because seatbelts are in cars now, mandatory, like. That's a good piece of legislation, as much as people might hate seatbelts and how uncomfortable they are. It's a violation of liberty. I know. You should be allowed to, like, go 70 miles per hour into a pole and just fly through your windshield, you know? That's but, the American dream. <laughs> it is. Literally, George Washington said, if I can't lose my front teeth on my steering wheel, because there's What's no the point belt, of what I've just accomplished? Yeah. Um, but all jokes aside, like, I have mad respect for him. Um, but... I think our political discourse is falling apart because people pick a tribe before they pick ideas and learn facts about the topics. And we were talking about common ground. Let me just ask you some rapid fire questions. Do you like the current state of taxes in our nation? Well, you, oh, wait, if you're you lean libertarian, you're not going to like any taxes. It's hard because, like, I don't know. There's so much, like... Not to get super, like, wonky about it, but there's so many... You can say in general, I would like less taxes, but there's, like, a bunch of specific tax policies that I yeah. have issues with and other ones I'm fine with. And So, on the, on the whole, though, you would like to see things change? Yes. Okay. So, with immigration, would you like to see things change? Definitely. With healthcare, would you like to see things change? Definitely. With education, would you like to see things change? Yeah. <laughs> now, see, what I'm doing is talking about the specific ideas, infrastructure. Would you like to see that get better in our nation? I feel like infrastructure is like the most meaningless thing that I think it's It's a weird word, but it means roads, bridges, I know, trains, but everybody's planes. made such a big deal out of it. And I'm like, sure, it's something we need to worry about, but I feel like it's been blown out of proportion as far as like its relevance to okay. modern politics. Interesting fact. Almost every nuclear power plant in our nation is beyond its, like, built-to-last date. That's exciting. Really exciting, right? So I would include, in my mind, that I would include that in infrastructure. Like, things like things that are necessary, like roads to get places, um, bridges to cross rivers. I'm just uh, thinking power. about how it's always infrastructure week whenever, like, some major scandal comes. And it's like, well, this has been a great infrastructure week, everybody. <laughs> great. So great. We've added five coal jobs. It's been amazing. <laughs> so um, I feel like the common ground issue, to circle back to that, we all want change in these areas. And maybe we have disagreements on how we want to implement that change or how we want to get there. But ultimately... The goal is still the same. Like, we both want better health care in our nation. Like, I don't want mothers dying, giving birth. That's not something that should be happening in a developed nation. I don't want people to not afford to 
see doctors and have to go to the emergency room and not pay because they got, you know, sick. They have a cold. It's like they should have a doctor who takes care of them and can keep them healthy. I think that kids should get awesome educations, you know, and, and be super smart like you. And I think there's things that we all agree on that we all want for everybody. It's how are we going to get there? At the end of the day, I think there's very few issues where it's not the process we're arguing about. It's the result. And I think immigration and most social issues are really where the end point is what we're disagreeing about. But stuff like healthcare, taxes, like most of it is we all have the same ideas of what we want. We just disagree on how to get there. Yeah. And that's that's what's crazy is like when if we were going to start a business, right, there's a couple of ways we could go about it, right? We could try and pursue like corporate deals and get people to buy in and give us some investment we could start small and make a couple of things and go straight to customers you know like there's different processes of how to build a successful business and i think that's where our country's always been stuck we're like i think if you give the money to these people they'll do this and like that never is really given a real chance because you know Eight years later, the other party's like, it's not working perfectly. Let's take back power. And then they take back power and they're like, we're going to try this. And then it doesn't work perfectly. And the, and that's what we've been bouncing back in between, you know, since, since I've been alive. It's been bouncing back and forth between, you know, political parties every eight years, presidential-wise. And, you know, in the House, it bounces all over the place. But it's like, sometimes when the parties all align and like you know the branches of government are all in one party you know like right now kind of um you know supreme court is uh they're not party affiliated but um when you have a power kind of aligning the way it it does sometimes you would think that party would implement their ideas and things would start to work but it really doesn't and what frustrates me is when an idea is put forward and then people purposely, just because they disagree with the idea, not because they think it won't work or this, that, and the other, or maybe they think it won't work, but they don't even give it a chance. It's like, oh, that was your idea? I don't want it. And it's like, but what if that idea works and it accomplishes what you want? A lot of the issues as far as legislation goes is because... Like, when the founders designed our system of government, they thought, okay, we'll have three branches and then just a bunch of local governments, and everybody's going to want the most power. And that way, like, federal branch will never get too much because, um, cause, like, local governments are going to be trying keeping the power. But now senators don't even really treat it as they're not there to get a job done. They're there as, like, a preview of how they'd be as president because every senator is trying to be president, and nobody really cares about actually passing anything. They're just looking for, like, the two-minute news clip that's going to get their followers really ready to vote for them mm-hmm. in the next presidential election which is just a toxic way to be trying to get things done and then on top of that you've got the fact that it's mostly bureaucrats who do everything because you can just give a bunch of very vague ideas and a piece of legislation that doesn't really specify anything so then it's like up to bureaucrats to decide what to do so that and they intentionally write it that way so if their constituents are upset they can be like well i didn't even say that talk to the bureaucrat who interpreted it that way and nobody mm-hmm. actually has to take responsibility for it which is just yeah. an easier way to complete your job than actually having to own something you did or like Congress, you can just like ram through a giant tax bill and 
write things in the margins and have lobbyists throwing papers into it and just see what happens next year. You know, like I'm excited to see what my taxes are going to look like because who knows? Like, I, I know if you're a CPA out there, I'm praying for you because it's going to be crazy. But like, yeah, it's just it's it's insane the way the founders wrote it and it's played out over the past hundreds of years that we've been a country and how different it is yet we still act like it's the same you know like from 13 colonies to like all of the states and territories that we have and all of the different military bases we have all over the world like could you imagine george washington like thinking about having a base in france and germany and england and like like it just doesn't even they can't comprehend that and I don't think we can comprehend really fully where they were at. Like historical, there's records and stuff. But I really feel like in in those different social issues, though, we all want the same thing. Like we want kids to be educated. We want people to be healthy. We want taxes to be reasonable and used properly or at least in a way that helps the nation, not harms it. Because everybody wants, like, a more effective and efficient government. Mm -hmm. But some people think you need to give it more money to make that happen. And some people think you need to take money away to make that happen. And it's like, we all want a better government, but we have very different ideas of what gets us there. Yeah. The biggest, I think one of the big things for me has always been, like, why we spend so much money on the military. And I'm not an anti-military person per se I just I'm always like blown away about how much money we give the military and then and then I go yeah but they're like all over the world and they're protecting us and I I understand the justifications for the money but it's just kind of like if we just dialed that back a little bit this is one of those talking points that it gets a little frustrating because if you actually look down percentage wise pretty much all of our money is going to like social security and social programs and the military is like a fraction of what we're giving to that and i'm for cutting waste and everything regarding our budget but like if you're talking about giving people a substantial tax break it's not the military that's well no that's not i'm not saying like to i'm not even adjusting what taxes you know we pay as citizens i'm just saying like in general it seems like if we want to cut like a couple million dollars from aid to this country and that country, it's like, couldn't we just like shrink a military base somewhere or like maybe bring some of them together? And I, I think the military is already doing some of that because I've heard from people in the military who work on bases and are like, they already are repositioning and doing that stuff. So yeah, I don't know. That's just an idea I always think of is like when we talk about money in the government, I'm always like, but don't we spend a lot of money in the military and couldn't that cover some of the things that we are freaking out about over here? But I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have facts. So I'm just spouting off things now. But in regards to like healthcare and education, though, there's still a common ground of the goals. So like in your mind, what would be a good way to approach like the healthcare issue? Healthcare is so convoluted at this point because, to me, in an ideal world, we would have had a mostly free market system from the beginning. 
but we're nowhere close to that now. So you have a bunch of people who are dependent because we created a system where they have to be dependent on the government for their health care. Mm. So to just like cold turkey stop, you would leave a lot of people completely screwed. So there'd have to be some sort of slow dismantling of government's involvement in health care, which I think a lot of people think Obamacare is really when like government health care started, but we've really never had a free system in the U.S. So it would be a massive change that really nobody has even experienced. It would just be a long, just decades-long process of entang- disentangling the government from healthcare. In your mind, what is what's a good example of like an actual free market? LASIK eye surgery is a great free market. <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to explain that because I don't think many of our our it's, listeners would know all so about it's that. Mostly unregulated, and it is the cheapest form of healthcare you can like. Most insurance doesn't cover it, and it's still a very realistic option. It's still more realistic than getting an x-ray. Like, you could get both eyes done, no insurance involved, cheaper than getting an x-ray if you had no insurance involved, and you could get it done faster, too. Like, there's really no wait for it. It's has way more success because, like, there actually is the free market idea of doctors competing for business. Yeah, if you, like, make someone blind, probably won't do Probably going to be the last business. person. Yeah. That's interesting. So is there, like, regulation, though, because it's a medical procedure? Yeah, there is, like, still some regulation. It's just nothing like most health care, and it doesn't, it's not covered by any of the government programs, so it's it's very much separate from... Because it's 100% elective. Yeah. At the, yeah. Even though that kind of, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Like, if you're going blind, it's not really... <laughs> not I'm necessary. electing to not go blind today by getting LASIK. Um, that's interesting. And I have not heard that one. And I think the the thing for me is I don't think there can ever be a truly free market because like people will just screw other people over to make money, you know, like, and, and that makes sense in the LASIK market where people like, obviously you can't do a bad job or people won't show up, but there are other areas where people can do a bad job and get away with bad things. And I feel like, you know, the opioid opioid crisis is a good picture of how like even in a regulated market things can go really bad because doctors were just you know writing scripts and making it easy and people are becoming addicts and it's it's a hot mess but for me I feel like regulation can help business and protect people at the same time even though at at first it might hurt people or hurt businesses on the front end like when Ralph Nader made companies put seatbelts in there like that's probably like Ford was probably not happy with him but at the end of the day now what's one of the biggest things you hear in commercials how safe the car is right because there's like a cloud will pop up and protect your entire body the second you know you hit a raccoon or something like so I, I understand the need for regulation and the quote-unquote harm that it does to businesses but at the, i think at the end of the day years later it becomes a benefit one of the most damaging things about government involvement in any private sector like healthcare is 
like none of these senators like you've got a couple of them that are doctors like Rand paul is a doctor but most of them have no idea what they're talking about and even doctors there's a, a lot about the business end of healthcare that they just don't know a whole lot about mm-hmm. and like i know next to nothing on healthcare compared to any sort of healthcare expert and those are the people who should really be in charge of this but once government gets involved that's a whole branch of people who have no idea what they're talking about that are already writing the legislation for yeah. this and then that gets everybody involved but you know there's a bunch yeah. of people who know next to nothing about healthcare all getting to determine what happens with it and it's just incredibly damaging and that's what freaks me out is the people who are actual experts work for typically they work in that field at those corporations and so they're not going to come to the table and be like hey if you actually regulate this that'll be helpful like they're just not going to do that that'd be like and i'm a tech nerd so like at&t and all these different like cable subscribers and internet providers like all these isps are not going to be like hey you know what if you don't let me charge netflix a ton of money for using a ton of my bandwidth like that would be good for the entire country like they're just not going to do that because they want to charge netflix a gang of money for that and they can then charge us a gang of money to access netflix and it's like oh man net neutrality rest in peace (laughs) Um, net neutrality has got to be the most ridiculous debate we've had as a nation it really drove me crazy it's a problem it created that like it's a government created problem that it had to fix because if they hadn't been subsidizing a bunch of like internet providers, it would have never been an issue because the sucky ones would have faded away and the actual effective ones would have worked. But now there's yeah, but so much regulation on it that really nobody can create a new business. The biggest and... thing for me is that the companies that exist now have drawn like borders and lines and they kind of just exchange customers and there's not real competition in most markets. But the reason there isn't is because there's actual laws that say there can be like only one per town and crazy stuff like that well, that makes it I'm impossible. Saying. I'm not to saying compete. it's them yeah. who've decided that. I'm just saying that's the way it's it like is. It's a completely government not, created problem that the government no, is now trying to convince me I have to let it fix. And it's like if you hadn't created this problem in the first place. See, this is why we learn an exchange of ideas. I just think the internet is so vital to our lives and not like oh i have to be on instagram tonight or i'm gonna die it's like it's how most people pay their bills it's how you know a lot of direct deposit goes straight into banks like i don't get a paper check and haven't gotten a paper check in almost a decade like it's been a long time since i've received an actual paper paycheck and took it to the bank and i've not taken a check to the bank in longer than a decade because mobile deposits you know so it's like it's crucial to like so many aspects of life and it's not just like oh you know alexa add this to my shopping list it's really like fundamental stuff a ton of fundamental things and basic um aspects of life are done on or through the internet it's powering it so i really think it should be something that is protected and not necessarily like I don't I, I understand where you were going, but I don't think that's what I was talking about as much as like people shouldn't have to pay more to access different parts of the internet because that the breaking down of internet internet access by an ISP drives me crazy. I think that's super wrong and criminal. And obviously when one does it, we see the way I see it is so clear with cell phones because in like cell phone providers, when one does something, they kind of all do it. So 
five years ago, four or five years ago, when you wanted to buy a new phone, you know, preferably an iPhone, you walk in and you're like, hey, give me the latest iPhone. And they're like, great, just $200, sign this contract, here's your phone, it's yours. And that was because AT&T, when they first launched iPhones, that's the kind of the deal they had, is you would buy the phone from them and they would subsidize the cost because they knew they were going to charge you for minutes on your phone calls, texts, and all these things that you were paying for. And they were going to make their money back and then some from the phone sales that they subsidized. So iPhones cost their $1,000 now, but back in the day they were like $600, $500, So they would eat that $300 knowing, you know, in the life of this two-year contract, they're probably going to go over they're going to do this, they're going to do that. We're going to recoup that cost really easy. That wasn't always the case anymore, especially as the cost of phones went up. And so I think Verizon was the first one. Verizon or AT&T is always the first one to do something stupid. And they decided, okay, we're going to charge you a lease. You're going to pay us a low monthly fee for the phone, and we are going to charge you for a lower plan all they did was adjust what they're taking they're still taking the same or more from us it's just the way they wrote it down on paper makes us feel better about it so i'm paying 20 bucks a month for my iphone instead of 200 up front and so over an 18 month lease that is more let me just double check yeah that's way more <laughs> that's almost 432 dollars so i'm paying at&t verizon sprint T-Mobile, we're all paying them more for the phones and they're subsidizing the cost of the phone way less because if you want to own the phone at the end, they charge you, you know, the rest of the lease and, you know, a buyback price. So they end up getting the full price of the phone from you if you ever actually want to own it as your own and switch to a different carrier because you probably are getting charged more than a new customer coming in. And so ISPs do that or if ISPs start, you know, ganging the system and following suit, it's not going to be a competitive market where, oh, you know, Spectrum does this, but, you know, Verizon, which is also a internet provider for homes, not just a mobile provider, if they started to do that, then things could just get rid of, really out of hand. And so I feel like our nation needs to be able to have a conversation like this where we just went back and forth really quick about internet free market stuff and and come up with something that works for everybody so businesses can keep making gobs of money because that's cool i like verizon and at&t to have millions of dollars and be able to say we're gonna build 5g because we just made it you know five billion dollars from our customers that's great and we're only gonna spend one billion doing 5g and everybody's gonna give us another six billion so it's like I don't have a problem with companies making money and then paying their workers a livable wage, um, but I, I do have a problem when companies are set, the table set for companies to eat their lunch and my lunch and your lunch, and then we're like starving and we're like, why did you eat all of our food, you know? So I don't know if you have a response to that. I don't know how much like reading you've done as far as like political theories but i think that's a better place for most people to start is to get like a really nice grounded mm. ideology instead of just trying to like have what their gut instinct is to news stories but there's this um thomas sowell okay um had was the point he was making is that 
you've never really overpaid for something if you were willing to pay it because nobody forced you to buy it. So you can't say, like, I bought this for $10, yeah. but it wasn't worth it because the fact that you paid somebody $10 means that item was worth $10. So maybe it wasn't worth that to somebody else, but the fact that you gave somebody that much money means the item must have been worth it. So you've never really overpaid for anything. And <laughs> Okay, sorry. The th- I don't want to interrupt you because yeah, I like where you're going, but... All I can think of is people who bought Bitcoin. <laughs> I feel so bad for them. But continue, continue. You never overpaid for something because you, you paid for it. You so. gave it that value and worth when you bought it. Because his like the example he used was a newspaper, and so yeah. as far as like ink and paper goes, it's not as that's not equal to the price you're paying for it but the fact that you want information makes it equal so Mm -hmm. to the guy who sold you the newspaper like your quarter whatever you paid for it was worth more than the newspaper but to you the newspaper was worth more than the quarter so it's all subjective to begin with so anybody trying to put like an objective label on being overpaid like overcharged for something like yeah it's a ridiculous argument to begin with because there's nothing objective about buying and selling things and well, that that's what's hard is when that becomes, it's not just something you want, it's something you need. And that's what I think the whole debate really was about net neutrality. Is it something that people need or is it still a luxury? You know, and that's, you know, cell phones and all those different things. They're not yet something that people need, you know, but they're something that are, it's really close. I think we're we're approaching the line of need versus want with internet and cell phones and like having access to that stuff. Um, and when you look at the way it plays out in society, even when I was growing up, if you had a computer in your home, that was huge and put you leaps and bounds ahead of people who didn't have computers. And then when high speed internet came out, that was another differentiating a, a differential that people could look at and be like, people who have high speed internet access on their home computers those students do better, you know? And so there's there's ways to mark and measure something that's good for society. And, and what I mean good, they do better in school, they graduate higher. Those All those things start rippling out from something kind of... I think what you're touching innocuous. on here is like a really good example of fundamental differences between people who lean left and people who lean right. And it's the difference between like positive and natural rights. Mm. So natural rights is the idea that you can't, like, I have rights against you doing something to me. Like free speech. That's natural rights. Yeah. Like pretty much everything in the Constitution is all natural rights. It means you don't get to stop me from doing something. Like you can't stop me from speaking unless I'm harming somebody else. But like positive rights, you could say I have the right to eat, which means somebody has to provide you something to eat now. So you're affecting Mm. other people versus natural rights, which means you, I have the right for you not to do anything. And that's a lot of the breakdown between, like, leftists and conservatives is leftists believe in people having rights to things that they would consider needs or wants. Well, I didn't say they had a right to it. I'm just saying there's benefits to having those things. Like, I remember a long time ago, well, probably wasn't that long ago, it just feels like forever ago, there was this, it was some Republican candidate had gotten really uncomfortable because in some news interview, they had asked him, does he think food is a right? And he'd said no, and then sort of had to, like, walk it back and say yes. And a bunch of conservatives were like, it's actually not a right, and it doesn't make sense for it to be, because if you look at somewhere like South Africa, where the Constitution does say food is a right, and they have so many more people starving than in America, and and it's because it doesn't matter that somebody has declared it a right, that still doesn't change the 
yeah. supply versus demand yeah. situation. So at the end of the day, where I would stand on it is it doesn't. I don't. I don't care if it's designated as a right or not. What I'm saying is, is it, a, is it a want or a need? And when it becomes something that is needed, then we need to figure out a way to help provide that for as many people as possible. And there's always going to be people who slip through the cracks. There's always going to be people that reject it, don't want it, can't access it. Like there's going to be problems to that. But I think by and large, right, we would say that people do better health-wise if they see doctors. That sounds about right. I don't have the numbers, but I would say <laughs> if you see a doctor more frequently in your life, you probably are more healthy. If you go to school more often than not or get an education in some way, shape, or form, online, whatever, you'll do better in society. You'll have more, at least knowledge, you know, books like book knowledge, and whether that plays into your life based on your choices that's kind of on you but you'll have the, a set of knowledge that's good for you so for me I feel like there's things that are just like we can demonstrate that they're good for people and good for society and I want to see those you know I don't want to infringe on your natural right to reject those but I want it to be available and affordable to as many people as possible there's a book called The Conservative Heart by Arthur Brooks that I think is really good at addressing this because a lot of leftists just assume conservatives or people who lean right just don't want to help anybody. But the difference is, I believe a private sector is way more equipped to help people than the government is because the government is usually wasteful and ineffective and non-efficient. And there's really no examples where, like, you can prove that wrong. Like, everything the government gets its hands into is just a mess because it's way too bureaucratic. Mm-hmm. So a private yeah. sector usually accomplishes any sort of charity better. And that all I'm saying is it just needs to happen. So whether the government does it or the government helps the private sector do it or the private sector does it and the government helps make sure people are protected from the private sector just taking advantage, like I don't really have an opinion on how's best to do it. All I know is that I want it to happen. And so people who push and advance for those things are people I will support, if that makes sense. So I'm not saying oh yeah, you know, take 90% of my paycheck and leave me with 10% to figure it out and I will be happy that our country is doing better. Like, I just want whatever. Like, Elon Musk is a private company. Like, he's not a private company, but he owns two or runs two or I don't know what the SEC did to them, to him. But Tesla and SpaceX are his babies and they're trying to do things it's a totally private company. They sell cars that are super expensive. They rock launch rockets into the sky, and like it's millions or billions of dollars to be on the SpaceX ride. SpaceX so. is a great example. As I can't remember what like leftist politician was, but pointed to like man making it to the moon as this is why we need government because we could never get to space if we didn't have one. And you know, however many years later, SpaceX has officially killed that argument. But they're partnering with government to do that. And using government facilities that wouldn't exist otherwise. So I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying, like, I think there's a way for us to come together to accomplish the goals that we have, whether it's private, whether it's public, whether it's a mixture. Like, I just think the more people can work together towards those goals, the better off we'll be. And I think we agree on that. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. We're not saying who's paying for it. We're not saying... I'm paying for it with my tax dollars or 
you're paying for it with your you know endowment from the arts or I don't know what you know what I'm saying like I, I don't I feel like we get lost in that's where the disagreements happen it's like well you just want to take my paycheck and it's like no I just want like poor people to have internet access and like be able to have what everybody else has in the nation and have the advantages that come from that and healthcare and all those different things and so I think most of us would agree that those things are things that could be provided to people. You think private companies can do that good? I think a mixture could do that good. I think, you know, the more people helping and working on an idea, the better and more rounded, well-rounded I think it can be. There's a lot of ideas that nobody even talks about, like a local government and healthcare could be manageable. I just hate the idea of a federal government involvement in it, but everybody acts like that's the only option. But it turns out like different states have different needs and even like different counties. So if you let local governments handle it, it would be way more suited to help those residents. The thing that nobody talks about and it drives me crazy is a lot of a, a lot of Republican states or Republican governors implemented very similar plans to like Obamacare it was kind of originally Mitt Romney's baby to begin with. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Mitt Romney did that, and, like, everybody points that out. Like, well, Mitt Romney had it first, and it's like, well, no, we don't want to talk about it. Why not? Like, Obama, like, made it national or whatever, but it's like, it's still a similar idea. It's, people act like, oh, it's a, it worked in the small scope when a Republican did it, so, like, why is everybody upset when we made it national? But there's a massive difference between a local government doing something yeah, and then national Yeah, Maryland is very different than, like, California so it's like it's definitely a difference but I think like if all of the gov, you know like governors and like state governments came together and said okay like let's see how this could work nationally we're all working within the same framework making it work in our states because some states are different they have different amounts of populations with pre-existing and people and you know what I'm saying like it's doable if people come to the table Federalism. Things are things are doable, not healthcare specifically, but things are doable. I mean, federalism was kind of dead for a long time, but it's a little bit back now because leftists have suddenly discovered that they don't want Trump's hands on anything, and that makes it way more of a need to have federalism. But which a lot of conservatives laugh because it's like, oh, we've been saying this for literally decades, and you've just now realized that maybe the federal branch shouldn't be in charge of everything. But that's why we had a system designed the way it was because different places have different needs and that way, and different peoples want different things. So that way, if you don't like something and you don't think it's going particularly well, you could just move to a different state. But now everybody just wants things the way they want and they want everybody to be that way. Everybody's just trying to get like the president they want so he can make it effective over all of the country instead of thinking, okay, I want it this way, so I'll move to a state that has it this way instead of forcing every other state to be that way. Yeah, but then people have to leave where they grew up or their hometown to get access to things that they want or need. Well, then you can lobby to change people's minds in the place where you live. I know, but you know how that goes. Um, If you don't have the money... As far as government involvement, I was just I just watched that episode of Parks and Rec where like Leslie decides to save that video store and then it becomes like a porn shop and she's like, my God, the local government now peddles porn. That's just like such a brilliant example of how government mm-hmm. involvement goes with things. Sometimes. Not all the time. Like 90% of the time. 
So I, I think we've covered so many different topics, and I don't know if we've solved any of them, but if you know any politicians want to listen and pick through and come up with a plan, I'm sure we'd probably support it if you're using our ideas. But I, I really love talking to you about this stuff, and I hope um, the listeners, you know, all the Young Ambiguous listeners enjoyed it too, because this is like our lives, you know? People try to be like, I'm not too political, and it's like... I hate that. Like, you're not above anything because you're uneducated. Like. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Um, yeah, like, just because you're ignorant of the way you have been governed doesn't mean you're not a part of it, and you're not being governed, and you're not... Just because you're not part of the system or part of the process actually makes it, like, kind of worse for you, not... Ignorant, I, ignorance isn't bliss with politics. I hate that there's this taboo about talking to people about politics. It's supposed to be like only there's a place for it, you know? Isn't that crazy? Especially when it comes to like you look at all the topics that have taboos. It's like religion and politics. And it's like, well, these are fundamentals. These are like the most important thing. So to not talk about these topics feels ridiculous. Wasn't it money, religion, and politics? Yeah. And it's like those are like three of the most important things to pretty much everybody. Yeah, and that's what's crazy is like, you know, Christianity, the Bible, like Jesus tells us to talk about our relationship with him. So it's like, well, one of the three is like literally mandated not to talk about politics is like literally how we live and treat one another as a group of people living in the same area. And then money is like literally how you live. Like you cannot go to Publix and be like, hey, so I'm here for some milk and some other staples for my diet like it just doesn't work like life doesn't work without those three things i definitely think most people take politics too seriously and it's like there should be so much more to your life than what politics is but then there's also the people that act like it's a badge of honor that they don't really know what's going on because they're above it and like well it's gonna affect you either way so i don't see how you're above talking about it It means you're somehow better than the rest of us that actually care about something that's this important in our everyday lives you are attacking 17 year old gerald really hard okay he didn't know any better and he thought that things were just gonna work out okay and they haven't yet (laughs) and it's been a decade and still hasn't worked so um no it's just it's been great talking to you and i'm so glad that you are so engaged and so knowledgeable already at a young age and um i definitely will try and tweak your policy decisions when you're in office um because at some point i'm sure it'll happen um and who knows who knows where you'll end up but i love talking to you still about all this stuff even when i feel completely stupid and uneducated at times because you know so much more than me I feel like I know so little about anything I have like a lot of ideas like vague ideas about what I believe as far as like positive or natural rights so I can sort of like approach a topic and guess like what my opinion is going to be but as far as like like healthcare, I know very broadly that I believe in a free market and think it would be more effective but any like sort of real wonky specific policy things I'm like not really sure yeah and i just know very um experiential circumstantial evidence and one thing that drives me crazy and i think it drives a lot of people crazy with healthcare is the cost of it all and for me what drives me up a wall is health first is not only a insurance provider but they're also like a care provider 
And so it drives me crazy that like I pay health first for health insurance. And when I go to a health first doctor, it's literally they can write whatever numbers they want on the paper and be like, we paid this much for you. Now you owe us this much. And it's like, but, but okay. Like I have, no, there's no way for me to cost, you know, it's an honor system. It's like, like they could literally say, well, your hospital bill was $10 million and we covered 9 million. So now you pay us the 1 million. And it's like, but it's just, it's like numbers on a paper. Like you could have said it costs $10,000 and you covered 9,000 and I pay 1,000. Like, I mean, depending on what I'm in the hospital for, I don't know what I am in this fake thing, but in my mind, it's, it's really weird for them to be able to communicate and like health first is supposed to be bargaining with them and getting a good price from them but it's like health first set the price in the first place so and obviously they're probably separate organizations but like really they're not they're partners they're still like they'll still help they're still health first so that's what drives me crazy that'd be like if you went to buy a laptop back to apple as well if you went to buy an apple laptop and it was like apple hardware and then it was apple software and you went to best buy and you're like i want an apple laptop and they're like okay well here's the hardware it costs you know four thousand dollars some of the new macbooks do it's crazy and you're like okay cool what when i buy it is that good and they're like no you have to go buy the software and it's like how much is the software well that's two thousand dollars so wait I have to spend like double the money for something that should just be together. And that's probably oversimplified and you can pick it apart. But in my mind, it seems weird that like my health insurance is also the provider of the health care and they can literally just put whatever numbers they want and chart the health provider could charge the insurance, whatever they want. And the insurance tells me whatever. It just seems like in-house it's too easy for it to be corrupt. I can't trust that it's not. Does that make sense? And my solution would be find a different healthcare provider. But where? What hospital would I go to? Wustoff? <laughs> Literally, like, the, rated the worst, one of the worst hospitals in the state? Like, is that where I'm going to go? I actually did my physical therapy there when I just located well, my new cat. <laughs> let me take that back. There's wonderful people. I know wonderful people who have worked there. And, like, I'm not saying that hospital has... T- terrible people there just, just in case poorly just in case she's listening my physical therapist was a delightful lady who actually donated to both of my mission trips so listen maybe these reviewers the people who rate these hospitals are completely wrong and that's the racket <laughs> we need to go after but three i don't know how many hospitals there are in brevard county but the one that's closest to my house is a health first hospital and the one with the heart center is a health first hospital and the birthing suites are health, health first. first yeah. So it's like, do I really have an option there? You could get different health insurance. It's like you could switch up either of these. Well, yeah, I could switch up the health insurance, but most of them will charge me more. See, because they'll charge in-house. you more. You're saving money. But the so thing why is, are you upset about it? I'm upset because... And if they ever start probably, charging you more money, health, then you switch. According to your theory, no one's overcharging me, but health first could be overcharging me. They could be. And, and I Blue think Blue Cross Blue Shield could be over overcharging me. Yeah. And then when it really costs this like much, that. 
if enough people decide they didn't like that, then you'd have a new one because the other people wouldn't have any business. Yeah, but the thing is, is many people just accept it because it's what they need to pay. So really where the problem at is it's the consumer. It's like if you're upset enough that you're trying to get the government involved, then you should be upset enough that well, you I'm would do something the, about the it. government involved because the government can protect the consumer who doesn't know any better. See, this is what I'm because saying. Because the consumer didn't want to pay more for a vehicle with a safety belt because Ford I think, said it's going to cost us so much money to put them in. And then Ralph Nader said, no, like people will stop dying on the roads. We need this. And then they were like, yeah, that makes sense. And then they passed the law. And then Ford was like, shoot, we have to put them in there. And then they were like, oh, we'll just tell everybody it's super safe. And then people were like, oh, Ford's really safe. No one dies in their cars anymore. And then they stopped buying them. A lot of people laugh at, like, conservatives who talk about personal responsibility, but so much of government involvement is just completely trying to escape personal responsibility. Like, I had this that's argument. I had this and argument. We were, ready, we were wrapping it up, but that's a big statement. Like, me, my sister, and my mom got in this argument. Because you know how when it came out that, like, Facebook had been selling people's data and whatever? And she of course got, they have. Yeah, she got so upset about it, and I was like, how did people think they were making money? Like it's literally right there in the terms and conditions. Like you agree to this, and well, you're she was not like, those, but yeah. and she was like, of course nobody's gonna read those. And I was saying you were always on me about having personal responsibility, and you can't even read something you just officially agreed to. Well, my thing, the funniest thing with Facebook, because I love tech and social media and all that stuff, the funny thing for me with Facebook is whenever those little things go around, like, post this on your timeline because Facebook will own the property of everything you've posted unless you share this saying, I don't want Facebook to own. It's like, listen, you're using their website, you are uploading to their servers, like, They'll do whatever they want. People with act that like stuff. they pay for Facebook. And I'm like, you don't, okay? You're getting yeah. all of this for free, so you could because chill the outrage a little as bit. As Apple loves to throw dirt at Google, we're the product for them. They get to sell ads to us, and we are the product they're selling to their advertisers. And so Google, Facebook, I mean, Apple to a certain extent is selling us to developers, which is how, you know, iPhones and all that stuff. But for the most part, Google makes money because people search for things on their website. And when you search for things on their website, they can tell companies what people search for on their website. And since so many people search for stuff on their website, they can say, if you want your stuff to be at the top, cut a check and it'll be there. And then it is. And then you see ads, but you don't see the thing because it says add really small in blue letters under the link. And you just click it and you're like, oh, crap. So... Scroll down. Don't give Google an extra two cents, you know? Um, but it, it's one of those things where personal responsibility is one thing, and then there's also, like, we as a nation should be looking out for one another. And I in think... A certain, to a certain extent. I'm not... It's not nanny state, and I'm not saying I, I should be taking care of everybody on my street, but we should be... It's like... You know, next door, when my neighbor around the corner posted that this truck was driving by his house five times and his ring picked up the truck and was like, hey, everybody be on the lookout. There's this creepy truck lurking through our neighborhood. Like, we should be able to look out for each other in simple ways like that. And that had nothing to do with the government. <laughs> True. But the, tr no, hold on. I'll make the government connection for you and then we'll wrap up because this is super long. But the truck had a license plate issued to it by the state government. 
And that is how you can identify that black truck from all the other black trucks. I have never been against license plates, so... Hey, they cost a lot of money to get the nice custom ones. You have vanity plates? I don't. I'm not vain like that. Well, this has been a riveting episode that I'm sure you listened all the way through, so thank you for making it to the full hour mark um, listening to this Young Ambiguous podcast. Uh, This has been Becca Atien discussing a whole range of topics with me, Gerald, your host of the Young Ambiguous podcast. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, or Gmail if you're into the email thing. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.